Well, I think he's he's handled it extraordinarily ineptly, and that is a large part of the problem, more so than perhaps the issue at hand itself about election expenses or election expenditure in 2016 and 2020. Um, you know, this was first brought to his attention, we are told, as early as 2017, this issue, uh, and as late as just before Christmas, and on each occasion, um, you know, Pascal Donoghue or his representative said that there was nothing to see, uh, nothing untoward had happened. And it seems that it was only when a complaint was made to SIPU, uh, the Standards and Public Office, they don't have the power of initiative. They have to wait for a complaint to be made. So a complaint was made, a specific complaint. We don't know the exact details. Only then, and when it became clear that a national newspaper was about to publish the details of this complaint, then we had this kind of ad hoc um announcement on a Sunday, you know, the, the media were gathered uh, here in Dublin and an apology was kind of put out there uh, for, for wrongdoing. But based in the context of what had come before, it seemed like a very forced apology. And then, as you say, there was this very unsatisfactory Doyle performance where questions from the opposition were not entertained. And he said that that was his final statement on the matter. And then within hours, he reversed position and said he would make another statement uh, and he would entertain questions and answers. And that gave the the issue further legs because he said he would make it this week. So we've had a week-long purgatory for for Pascal Donoghue, largely self-inflicted because it seems that all the information wasn't put out there. Um, and, and now it's a question of what people knew when they knew it and how it came to their attention. So we have this statement, as you know, just uh, two hours ago from Michael Stone saying that he's um, resigning from the state positions in, in, in which he has been appointed and, and for which he works uh, pro bono. Um, but that um, that is it is hoped, I think, by the government and the Fine Gael party in particular, that that will take some of the heat out of this issue, that in a sense, Michael Stone will, his resignation will, will satisfy uh, the opposition. I think that's very unlikely. They're not interested in the fate, really, of Michael Stone. Uh, the, the, the much bigger prize, you might say, is the fate of of Pascal Donoghue. And, and there are those who might argue, you know, is this a big enough issue for resignation? I always think of Albert Reynolds in 1994, in November 1994, who had just pulled off you know, the peace process and negotiating with the with, with, with Republicans, the IRA ceasefire, and he had to resign as Taoiseach on a matter which I think nobody remembers now, the Harry Whelan affair, as it was known at the time. Uh, so as he said himself, it's the little things that trip you up. So Pascal Donoghue's, you know, political future is, is not guaranteed. A lot will hinge on what he has to say today. Um, but the government parties are for the moment backing him and they have a secure majority, of course, in Parliament. And just to fully fill people in, if they haven't heard uh, what Michael Stone has had to say in relation uh, to uh, the uh, 2020 general election, he says he personally paid for six people to help with postering. Uh, that cost €972, Euro, paid for the use of vans worth €434. Euro. Uh, he also says he didn't know the near €1,100 Euro donation he made for the 2016 general election needed to be counted for in electoral expenses and that he forgot until last week about the €1,400 Euro from 2020. He also says when Minister Donoghue approached him last December to ask whether any more were made, he mistakenly told him no. And you've touched on it there as well, Donica, that he uh, he stepped down from the roles he held with the Land Development Agency and the North Inner City Task Force. And he's also uh, said he deeply regrets any embarrassment he's brought the minister. Um, Mr Stone has clearly, I suppose, revealed all of this to try and take 
pressure of Pascal Donoghue but as I touched on earlier if anything this has just placed even more pressure on him and to come out with it before Pascal Donoghue himself was going to talk about what he'd uh, identified issues he had identified in relation to the expenses for the 2020 general election is just going to have the opposite effect. Well, that was certainly, I think, not the hope of, of Michael Stone and, and, and I think the, the Fianna Gael in particular and the government party collectively. I think they hoped, I think this is not, you know, a coincidence that his statement comes out today in advance of Pascal Donoghue's statement. As I said, I think that they're hoping that the opposition will be satisfied with a scalp, um, you know, that there will be a resignation resulting from this. And he's, you know, in his statement, as, as, as you suggest, Michael Stone is really taking the fall for this. He's taking the blame. He's saying that Pascal Donoghue, you know, always... Uh, you know, was a hardworking, honest politician who nothing, uh, who knew nothing of these contributions himself. And it was Michael Stone's uh, mistaken recollection, as he calls it, uh, a rather unfortunate phrase. You might remember Brian Lenhan's fa- famous mature recollection, uh, which which precipitated his own uh, resignation when he had to decide between two versions uh, of, of a narrative uh, when running for the presidential election in 1990. So essentially, Michael Stone is saying that he was asked by Pascal Donoghue before Christmas about these things, and he mistakenly told him that there had been no contributions, that he'd forgotten about it. But now, uh, after seeing the Ferrari it's caused politically, he's gone back and examined the details. And, and um, you know, he's, he's, he's now said that he did make a contribution. There is, of course, an issue. I'm, I'm speaking to you from Glasnevin here, and, and Pascal Donoghue lives just down the road. Uh, he was born in Fibsburg, about two kilometres from here. Dublin Central constituency uh, is a very hotly contested one. In the 2016 election, uh, Dublin Central was a three-seater, and and Pascal Dunn, whose future was not uh, assured, he's never been as popular locally as he has been nationally. You might say. I mean, he got 13 percent uh, in the in the last um, in the last election. Mary Lou Macdonald, who shares the same constituency, got three times that vote. So there was talk in 2016 that he may not even hold his seat. And he's never been, you might say, in a position where he's had a safe seat. So this is a larger implication, of course, of, of money being spent in a constituency, because there are those who, of course, lost out. Um, in particular, Gary Gannon, he was the person who, who didn't get the seat in 2016. There was only 500 votes separating the, the, the final three candidates. Only two made it over the line, including Pascal Donoghue. So there is, a, you know, obviously a political issue there at play. And that's why some parties like the Social Democrats, for example, are particularly interested in this issue. So many comments have been made by uh, Minister Donoghue's government colleagues, Donica, all giving him their backing and talking about how what an asset he has been to the country as Minister for Finance and now as Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform and that it would be a huge loss if he was to resign or or uh, so on. Given the effusive praise, and definitely, and I've even heard, you know, we've texts in and other people uh, praising Pascal Donoghue and the job he's done as you say, he's, I suppose, more popular nationally than within his local constituency. Have you been extremely surprised by how he has handled this controversy or is it to be expected for someone who's been a fairly steady Eddie as a, as a politician and being a capa- more than capable performer that they haven't previously experienced controversy? Maybe they're just not sure how to handle it. Well, well, some have argued that that he, he's had, you know, a very positive reputation in the media and somewhat easily handling, you know, any kind of softball questions and that this is kind of the, the biggest crisis he's found himself in. So perhaps he didn't at first, you know, fully appreciate how potentially damaging uh, this could be. Uh, but certainly, as I said, the problem is, I mean, there is a problem there in terms of what happened in 2016, 2020, because, of course, it puts, a, you know, puts him in the situation where there could have been a potential breach of the 
Electoral Act. But it's, it's I think, much more, as I was saying at the beginning, the handling of this, uh, you know, the fact that it wasn't put to bed immediately um, by throwing out there all the information. Now, of course, they argue that they didn't have all that information to hand. But as I said, the opposition point all along has been they've been raising these issues or these issues have been raised since 2017. So this has been an issue that's been out there. It's just been deliberately not addressed. And part of the problem, is, of course, is the very weak, toothless body uh, that is the standards in public office, Sipo. Uh, uh, I mean, like they, they don't have, as I said, the power to go out there and investigate these things themselves. Um, and and they have themselves asked for further powers over the years, but you know, successive governments have 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 not given them those powers. So it's left. That's why we're left with, with kind of an absence of, of of a great process, and it's it's become a you might say an act of political theatre. Uh, and of course, today's um, Doyle will 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 be part of that. There is a bigger issue at play as well, or, or you might say one of a more long term significance, and that's that's that you know. Political parties now are very much reliant on state resources, and therefore there's a lot more scrutiny of, of how money is spent. Um, this wouldn't have been an issue for much of the 20th century when posters were put up and, and taken down by volunteers. Uh, most parties relied then on individual subscriptions. You remember the, the, the Churchgate collections, for example. But now the vast majority of funding comes from the state. Um, millions every year goes to political parties, and and to you know if a party reaches two percent, it gets guaranteed state funding, and the, and getting that two percent is the difference between life and death for some of the smaller parties. So you know that's why we've had to introduce kind of transparency and legislation because it's no longer individual subscriptions and and volunteers. It's it's state funding, and then private contributions have to be limited for obvious reasons because we have to know if there's a potential conflict of interest. So these are you might say 21st century problems in politics. That ones that didn't really, uh, you know, get exposed in the same way before and and are particularly uh, salient today. The amounts of money, and I've heard this referenced numerous times since this controversy emerged, Donica, is that the amounts of money being involved here are relatively small in the grander scheme of things. But I guess, look, the, the public have expectations of how politicians should behave in office. There are rules there and they, they can't and shouldn't be breached however lightly they are. Would would that be a fair enough point to make or to those who say this is really, really small fry in terms of uh, the finances discussed that, um, you know, Pascal Dunne has been raked over the coals and uh, I guess a mountain has been made out of a molehill? Well, of course, there is an argument there that the money is relatively small. Um, but as I said, I mean, it was a very tightly contested constituency. Dublin Central is indeed the smallest constituency geographically in the country. So, you know, it's it's more a question of whether somebody, um, you know, deliberately underestimated the value of the contribution which has now been established and whether they were, you know, forthcoming when asked questions, pertinent questions. So it's, it's less about the, the money um, and more about how the issue was handled when it first came to light. And that's often the case uh, in, in politics. It's, it's often less the actual um, incident itself and how, you know, it's the, it's the denials or the, you know, distractions or the prevarications. They're often the things that uh, impale a politician in the end. Going back, as I said, to Albert Reynolds as a perfect example, who had, again, as Taoiseach, many achievements, uh, but 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 was forced to resign on a relatively minor issue. That's That's often the case in politics. And that's why we can't, underestimate this issue politically, even if it seems a relatively small issue in terms of the amount of money involved. Do you think that this particular controversy will will have staying power or will it all blow over or will it depend 
on what Pascal Donoghue says in the doll later, how he deals uh, with the question and answer session and whether the answers he gives to the questions, I'm sure very tough questions that are going to be thrown at him by the opposition, how capably he handles those. I mean, the government are obviously putting up a united stance on this and representatives from each of the three government parties have come out uh, and, and spoken very highly and, and defended uh, Pascal Donoghue. But I think that there will be some trepidation uh, going into the uh, the doll today uh, for, for this statement and the questions and answers session. Uh, we've seen in the past where united fronts can evaporate. You know, you think of something like Phil Hogan, for example, uh, who resigned again over issues which perhaps seemed minor compared to his portfolio and competencies. Um, so, you know, I, they're obviously hoping that, that, that this will blow over and and that if they can unite behind him and if the issue, uh, you know, loses its salience, um, that crisis is, of course, always invariably blow over. But, the, the, you know, it's if it goes into another week, if he doesn't put it to bed today, um, you know, I think that that's where there will be talk of this being a distraction. And of course, that's often when you hear, you often hear when people resign, they say, I, I don't want to be a distraction to the government's great work. Um, so so that, that's that's saying it's still open-ended. Um, it, 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 is, it does seem very trivial to many people. Of course, you know, people were protesting during the weekend on issues of, of health. And, and of course, there's housing prices. So, you know, these are the national issues. But as I said, many times, it's not the national issues for which people resign. Uh, it's, it's much more more uh, local and personal issues. And again, to, to reference, it may very much depend on how uh, events in the Dáil go on later today, Donica, but what's your sense of where the situation is at at the moment? Do you think ultimately we'll, we'll see a resignation from Pascal Donoghue? I, I wouldn't like to call it. Um, it seemed very unlikely when this crisis first broke. I had the reaction, as, as you kind of described there, that this seemed like a relatively trivial issue. But I was very surprised by how it wasn't put to bed and how, as I said, inexpertly it was handled. And, and now it's, it's, it has legs and it's been going on for a week and a half, which is, 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 is a long time in politics. Um, so so I, I wouldn't try and, and, and predict what would happen. As I said, people have resigned over, over very minor issues. The government hope is that if they remain united, they have a solid government majority, um, that that will, that will, that will you know, act as a, as, a, as a barrier against any opposition advance. It's worth pointing out the opposition haven't called for Pascal Donoghue's resignation as yet. Some people suspect that that might be because they have their own skeletons in the cupboard. Um, but, you know, they, they may change their mind as a result of what happens today. A gov the government would win, of course, a vote of confidence. And then it would it would be left to, as I said, this toothless organisation, uh, SIPO, to, to, to pursue Pascal Donoghue. But, you know, I think, yeah, it's going to be quite a showdown today. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Given his his importance and stature, both within Fine Gael and within the, the, the coalition in general, and his performance uh, as finance minister and now minister for public expenditure and reform over the years, how critical a blow would it be to the coalition if he was to resign? Would it, would it spell the end of the government? No, I don't think it would spell an end to the government. At the end of the day, as we know well from experience, no person is is irreplaceable. Uh, he would be replaced. It's more difficult to replace, you know, senior ministers these days because the political parties are so small. In the 1980s, you know, a governing party had 80 seats plus usually. Uh, now they have 30 seats plus. So there's a there's, there's not a, a deep reservoir from which you can, um, you know, take politicians uh, and promote them uh, to senior ranks. So it, it would be more, I think, a blow in terms of perception 
election. I mean, this comes very shortly after the resignation, of course, of Damien English. Um, you know, and of course, the opposition have tried to to draw parallels. There have been other resignations. So, you know, it, it would feed the perception um, that this is a government which is running out of steam and, and, and that is running into problems. That's where the problem would be mainly would be a matter of perception. I don't think politically, um, you know, as I said, it would be impossible to replace somebody like Pascal Donoghue, despite his many talents, which have been uh, well advertised over over the years. So you don't think you don't think it'd be impossible to replace him if he were to go, but would it be a difficult process to find someone as capable? Just to give you a sense of what we're getting in from listeners, Donica Patrick has texted an 086 1800 to say, who wants to be a TD? Pascal Donahue seems to be an able politician and would be a big loss to our country if he has to step down. The opposition have gone over the top, fine combing everything, and if a person stays looking for something, they'll find it. Would we be in a sense, cutting off our nose to, to to spite our face. If ultimately he did go, you'd say it wouldn't be it wouldn't be impossible to replace him. But he has been an extremely capable performer over the years in the doll. Yeah, well, that that that's a very good point that your 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 listener makes, and it, it's a broader issue about whether politics is an attractive profession, and certainly the level of scrutiny that politicians find themselves, the levels of abuse that they're often subjected to, makes it an unattractive career for many who would have many talents that they could bring uh, into politics, and that's an issue perhaps for another discussion in another day. Um, but as I said, I mean, Pascal Donoghue, he he is highly thought of by many people. He has served the state well in many respects but as i said this is politics it's quite adversarial it's quite brutal it's quite impersonal and and we have seen in the past situations where people who have also given the state much service have fallen on their sword for issues which didn't seem proportionate um, to many people but ultimately they did have to pay a political price you touched on something earlier on, Dunnick, as well. You said others may have uh, skeletons in their closet. And, you know, obviously, the government side of the doll have uh, made mention of Sinn Féin having to make an amended statement to SIPO in relation to a payment made to a London-based firm for a poll which they carried out in the final days of the campaign for the last general election in 2020. So is it likely other TDs could find themselves um, having issues in relation to this type of controversy? You know, if an audit was done of... Every Every TD's election expenses, I wonder how many similar misdemeanours would be uncovered. Yeah, that, that is something that has been put out there. There has been suggestions that Sinn Féin haven't called for his resignation for that very reason. Um, and it, it, it's, I think, unlikely that Pascal Donoghue is the only politician who would have things that to other to other people and uh, it might be considered irregularities uh, in their expenditure during elections, which of course are are, are very intense periods where sometimes it's, it is hard to keep track of of expenditure. Though the argument against that is is that you know because of the regulations that have been laid down, um, you know it's quite well known in advance what the rules are, and that in this case there was this is what the opposition are maintaining a deliberate underestimating of the value. Um, of 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 and, and many other politicians, for example, Mary Fitzpatrick, Fianna Fáil politician, the same constituency, for the very same services, she claimed um, that she spent five thousand uh, euro for the same services that were, uh, you know, supposed to be less than one thousand euro, according to uh, Pascal Donoghue's team. So, you know, the, the, there are irregularities. Um, I'm sure they exist elsewhere, uh, and I'm sure that it will make people more cautious going forward. In that sense, it may not be. Um, you know, irrespective of what happens to Pascal Donoghue, it, it, it may be beneficial 
to the practice of politics because I think it may make people more circumspect about these things. But I, I do I do go back to to support what your listener said that it is a very difficult uh, task to be a politician. Uh, it is a, a thankless task in many respects. They they are working twenty four seven and and it's you know responding to everybody's needs locally, regionally, nationally, and and um, something like this unfortunately may be the kind of thing which might put off people from going into politics if they feel that you know their own day-to-day lives are under such scrutiny that's that's an ongoing issue uh, it's mm. an issue which many politicians have raised o- o- over the last uh, days and weeks and not only 